Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life. Uh, we're at episode 46 here. My name is NBZ, and uh, I'm joined, as always, by Bali. Hello, Bali. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad, NBZ. I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, just about recovered from some drunk Oh, a heavy weekend. Heavy weekend. Yeah. Um, That's London so... for you. That's London. Yep, what are you going to do? When you live in a place where people are going to drink through the early hours, then you just got to... <laughs> when in Rome, Bali! it. When in Rome, as they say. Uh, so, yep, today we are going to have a show, as we usually do every couple of weeks, and uh, it's going to be stuff in it. So, Bali, why don't you tell people what the stuff that is going to be in it is? We are going to talk about some of the games we've played. We've got some of your emails. And, you know, it's been a bit of time since the last one. So we thought we'd bring back the jukebox. Yes, indeed. So our musically based test each other's brains on where this song came from game. So I can test your brains, MBZ. Yeah, it's your turn this time, which... Don't know if I'm looking forward to that or not. Who, <laughs> who can tell? But uh, we shall racers, see. honestly, that curveball. Eh? That look, <laughs> it was it was fair game. It was fair game. Well, so I've got the curveballs lined up. So here we go. All right. Uh, okay. So I hope you guys look forward to that in our last segment. But uh, as always, we're going to kick things off with the games we've been playing. So Bali, how about you uh, tell us the thing that you've been playing? So I got Willy World on launch day, and yeah. <laughs> I've just been. I normally, like, since we started this podcast, I've been pretty damn good when it comes to, you know, starting a game, playing a game, completing a game, and there have been moments where I've not massively enjoyed certain parts of games, and it's been a bit of a slog at times, but I'm just really struggling to find the motivation to finish this game, and it's it's a good game, but I just think that it's it's dull at times and I, I'm worried that like uh, I mean for example I was just with Alex the other day and he wanted to see some of the other sort of Wii U games I own and I was like right well why don't I show you some other 2D platformers so I did show him Yoshi and I don't think he was particularly impressed one way or the other but then we played like just a bit of Bit Trip Runner 2 um, and a bit of Tropical Freeze and I just absolutely love those games in comparison to this one and Alex was the same he absolutely he thought Tropical Freeze was was a blast to play. Um, and it's just when you play a 2D platformer like those two games, when you compare it back to something like Yoshi, it's obviously a very different style, but it just doesn't appeal to me in the same way. And I've just really found it unappealing to go back to. And I did go back and I've played like half of the final world, but the, <laughs> the last few levels, I've just been like, right, I'll play a couple of levels. And then I don't want to play. I just want to go off and play, you know, Splatoon or listen to a podcast or just anything that's not playing Yoshi's Willy World. And it's just, it's not a healthy situation. Um, and I will finish it, but I, I just wanted to, to voice um, some further concerns uh, that we had from last time about this game. Yeah, I certainly felt really burned out by the end of it. I did force myself through the last world and... Um, was a bit of a struggle uh, at points, but um, but the depressing thing is I've only played like eleven hours of it, and like yeah. I'm already like oh god, and, and I feel bad for Americans listening who are like jumping out of their seats, wet ready for this game, and we're like playing it early and just absolutely slamming it. But and I don't want to slam it because it is good. It's just not 
it's not addictive in any way. And I think that's probably quite a crucial part of 2D platformers. I mean, both Bitchip Runner and Tropical Freeze, I just, I completed both of those games so quickly. Really enjoyed them. Really enjoyed going back to them. Um, and it's just, just, this isn't, this just isn't clicking for me. I think a key point to make note of is that while you're in a level in Yoshi, um, I don't feel like if I die, then I want to stop playing the level because the way that it's set up is smart in that you don't have any lives and that you just reload at the last checkpoint. So you're like, okay, right, I'm just going to keep going and keep going and try and get all the collectibles. And if I die, okay, I'll just keep going again. The problem comes is when you finish a level and then there's all this aftermath where it's like, okay, here are the things you collected. If you got all of the woolen bits, let's pop, 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 pop. Let's show you the Yoshi. Let's show you this animation of the next world appearing. There's a lot of downtime in between levels. And what that gives you the sensation of is like, okay, I have to watch this, I have to wait, and then I'm like, should I go on? Uh, nah, I'm going to turn off my Wii U. And I think yeah. that if they'd done a better job of cleanly getting you from level to level, like they do from death to death within the game, mm. it would have made it a much more streamlined experience, and maybe I wouldn't have felt so kind of burned on it, you know, by yeah. the end. And that, like, there's loading times and things. And, oh, and I like... mean, when you boot the game up, it takes forever to load, yeah. which is crazy. And I wouldn't say that the levels in design are longer than a game like Tropical Freeze, but the time it takes to complete them is way longer because the way you explore them is completely different to a game like Tropical Freeze where it's very much get from A to B as fast as you can. Obviously there are collectibles in Tropical Freeze, but they're, they're sort of positioned in very different ways I feel to a game like Willy World. Um, and I think it's just made me realise that I... I do like 2D platformers, but I like a particular style of 2D platformers. And I think I'm just more wary now of perhaps the more the slower-paced, um, exploration-based 2D platformers, you might say. Um, yeah. Although, something like a game like Trine 2, that's a very slow-paced 2D platformer. Yeah, but that's but it, really more of a puzzle game, in my no, opinion. No, you're right, exactly. And that's, what, that's why I think it is so strong, is that it does have those puzzle elements and... Um, I mean, we've waxed lyrical about that game a lot on the podcast, yeah, so I won't yeah. go into it. But yeah, you're right. It's just it's it's very different as well. But um, so I I I am definitely going to complete it for next time, um, and I might have a, one or two things to say about the final boss when I get there. But um, let's not drag it out. But we'll let's see. not <laughs> drag out this already dragged out game. Um, yes. But I've also been playing. Probably the Nintendo classic of all time, to be honest, arguably. Yeah, the one that, like, really both of us should have played for fucking ever ago and neither of us really did. Yeah, like, this this has been in my... This is... Yeah, I have been meaning to play this since becoming a Nintendo fan, really. Um, And that game is Ocarina of Time. um, And this is the Ocarina of Time 3D um, that you previously played and are lending to me now, MBZ. Yes, Um, my version. And I'm right up to... I've just finished the Fire Temple. Yeah, I think so. So I think the next temple is sort of the Water Temple. So I'm, I'm saying I'm like halfway or just past halfway, maybe. Oh, you're probably a good 60%. Through. 60%. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think... Obviously, this is a really strong game. I mean, that's, that's, there's a lot been said about this game previously. I think that out of all the 3D Zeldas... This one feels the most like a 2D Zelda turned 3D. And that's probably massively due to the fact that it's the first 3D Zelda. It really does feel... And when I say that, I mean 
it's not very handholdy at all. So I would argue a game like Link to the Past or Link's Awakening, the old 2D Zeldas, they really don't hold your hand at points saying, oh, this is where you go next, this is where you, this is what you do now, etc. It's all working out, working out little little nuances here and there of where to go next. And I feel like Ocarina of Time is the same. It doesn't say, right, you finished this and now you go here. And I'd say that the other 3D Zeldas, so particularly games like Skyward Sword, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, they they really they say, right, you've done this dungeon, now you go to this dungeon, now you sail across this sea, now you need to fly over here, now you need to do that. And it's all quite handholdy to some degree. Obviously there are hard parts of those games and you often at odds as to where to go next. But I just feel like Ocarina of Time, it really leaves you out in the cold and like i and we i was discussing this with you before and we said but those very first uh ocarina of time reviewers you know way back in 98 i want to say yeah, yeah yeah so like that those first few days where they are you know having to complete this game without any guides online or anything i think that's a pretty difficult feat because i think there's a lot of points in this game that i've come across so far at least that you're really like where do I go next? I have no idea what I'm doing. Are um, there any examples of that that you can pull on? I really struggled getting to Jabu Jabu's belly. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, there's a lot one. of... Um, you have to go through a secret bit from Zora's Domain that takes you back out to Lake Hylia to yes, pick up yeah, a yeah. note, and then you do something with the note I've forgotten already. <laughs> um, but it, there's a lot of toing and throwing, but it's... But, and there's obviously tons of toing and throwing in games like Wind Waker, but I feel like those games give you a lot more hand-holding, a lot more obvious clues to say, yeah, this is where you need to go next. So I don't think the game is worse or better for this. I just think it's different, and I'm, I'm enjoying that it's different. Um, I think an interesting thing about Ocarina is it's much more story-driven than any of the previous Zelda's that came before. Yeah, I'm um, loving it. I, I, we know we've established in the past that you don't like time travel <laughs> at all, Bally. So I'm kind of interested in your opinion on how this story kind of lays itself out. So, so far, it's basically Young Link goes forward in time inside the Temple of Time. Yes. So the idea that you're only time traveling inside the Temple of Time and then you're going outside of the world. Like, there's... I'm not at a point in the story at which it's implied that there are two timelines happening at once. It's basically, this was Young Link back then, and now you're forward in time. There's not been a lot of back and forth. And it's the back and forth where I feel like time travel breaks down in my mind from a a story point of view. Um, And it's the idea of multiple links existing and doing actions in the same... Doing things at the same time in different time compendiums compendiums is that the okay. right word dimensions I don't know. <laughs> dimensions <laughs> is yeah. the word i was looking for so and i kn- i know that the story will get there and that there is more toing and froing back to young link to come so i i yeah i always have an issue with that kind of thing but i i love the idea of um chic and how mysterious that all is obviously it's zelda i know that but i lo- i would have loved to have played this game not knowing that yeah, it would have been um, such a cool reveal at the really end. Really cool. And, like, it's an interesting thing that we really found out about Zelda and Sheik by playing Smash Brothers. I know, and things. we'd have massive long debates about Sheik being a boy or a girl. Oh, we didn't know anything, really. Uh, yeah, then, oh, all, so. yeah, so it was, it was weird. But um, 
I know I'm really liking the story. It feels it feels epic and it feels epic almost effortlessly. It feels like it just does it very naturally whereas I feel like certainly uh games like Skyward Sword I'd say has a lot of sort of inserted epic moments that are like whoa and I feel like Ocarina it's it's more it's more natural because this is obviously the first 3D Zelda, so they could almost get away with doing something quite epic through very little effort, I guess. Um, but I, no, I'm really enjoying it. I, I really like the art style of the, the 3DS remake. Um, yeah, because they really took what the original artwork for the game was and yeah. it basically made that a part of uh, the visual design, whereas in you know N64 days they tried to, but really didn't have the horsepower to make that possible. It just looks so, so vibrant, and the face uh, structures and things look really great. And like, I'd even say that there's elements of the footage we've seen from the Wii U version, Wii U um, Zelda, that 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 something about the the lighting or the how vibrant it looks does remind me a lot of the art style they've gone for with this 3D remake. Um, so I'd love to see another 3D Zelda with a very similar style to, you know, Ocarina. And, and because obviously Twilight Princess is so much darker, Wind Waker's doing its own thing, Skyward Sword is arguably doing its own thing as well. And I'd, I wouldn't mind if they went back to something as simple and bog standard as Ocarina of Time because I think what they did with the 3DS version looks looks great. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's really nice to look at. The 3D is pretty good as well. It was one of the kind of earlier titles, so they were pushing that a bit more. Yeah, um, and I think we said this before, but like a game like Pilot Wings as well, those first couple of 3DS games, they they're just super deep when you have the 3D turned on. Fool, like you're really lo- looking into what feels like a very deep box, um, and this game really feels like that when you're you know out on. Hyrule Field or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm really stretches enjoying and it. stretches for ages. Yeah, <laughs> and like I th- I'm actually finding the dungeons pretty pretty tough. Um, in this in terms of like the combat or the puzzle design or knowing where to go and combat of non bosses. The bosses are all right; they're fine. But it's the mini bosses and the enemies in between. They're they're a lot of them are like hefty jewels. They're quite tricky. Um, yeah, it's much more like a sword fight where you're waiting for them to expose an opening and then yeah. you're going for it. Because you don't really have the moves of Wind Waker where you can parry or yeah. Twilight Princess where you can do the backslash and roll around them. Yeah. It's, it's a much more kind of weight game. With, exactly. With and, and I mean, the fighting controls don't feel as slick as a game like Wind Waker or Twilight Princess, but that's understandable. Um, and... Yeah, just knowing where to go in these dungeons has been pretty tough at times, and I've not even got to the water dungeon. And that's what's up next yet. for you, yeah. is like the the ultimate dungeon of where the fuck do I go yeah. next. So. And pr- I've actually managed to do all the dungeons so far, maybe apart from part of Jabu Jabu's Belly, without a guide, which I've been pretty chuffed with. That's um, good, yeah. So, I th- And they have taken me a long time. There's been a lot of wandering around. I think I'm like 15, 16 maybe even 18 hours into this game and mm. yeah I'm not like you said I'm about 60% so um, yeah a few few more dungeons to go but, so um, yeah I'm, I'm enjoying it so far and have I, you been using the gyro controls uh, at all uh, for moving the, the bow and arrow or the, the um, yeah yeah I have boomerang and stuff like and that and it's good it's good yeah. I like that and it's just like Wind Waker HD it's a really yep. nice implementation and I think I really hope that's something they take forward to the the Wii U version whether that's on the Wii U or the NX <laughs> yeah 
Um, yeah. I say version as in like a version of Zelda. It's not right. Like, yeah. <laughs> when we, when we talk of Zelda, Zelda, that often yes. is a turn of phrase that happens. But true. But they anyway, know what we mean. They know so, what we mean. Mal. So those are two games I should hopefully try and finish soon. Although I'm, Yoshi is just nagging away at my soul. But anyway. we'll see. <laughs> what have you been up to, NBZ? So I've played loads of different games. I should also mention that way too uh, many. <laughs> yeah, I should also mention that I've been back doing the other podcast uh, that I was doing before the Yo Gamecast with uh, Fizz, and um, that has started up again. My nemesis. Yes, of course, you're your <laughs> evil arch rival. Um, I am. I am the old MBZ, according to Fizz. Yeah, you are. It truly <laughs> is the case. Um, and uh, I talked about a few games on there last time, um, which were Strider and Max the Curse of Brotherhood. Two Steam games. Uh, if you want to hear me give more thoughts on those, go over there. You need multiple podcasts to spill over, to talk about all the games you've been playing. I know, I play too many. <laughs> so, um, so I played both of those, uh, which are really cool. Uh, but what I'm going to talk about today is, I think we'll kick it off with a really interesting small little game that I found out like literally a week ago and uh, it was because Patrick Klapik uh, who oh, you found out from him yeah oh, really nice. I he uploaded the video of this game called Ink and um, I was like yeah you know sometimes he does these videos where it's like it's called the title is here's a video game and it's just like plays 10 minutes of it or something but he usually highlights stuff that is kind of unknown and that's how I found out about Grow Home as well no one else was talking about it and he just found it and did a video on it I was like oh my god this looks awesome so uh, I have a lot of kind of similarities with him when it comes to taste especially when it comes to platformers you love horror Um, games don't you Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, that that's the one difference I would say in, in his kind of game playing uh, genres uh, as opposed to me. I'm winding you up. So anyway, he shows this game. It's basically a Super Meat Boy style esque thing where you're this little box, um, but when you double jump, you splatter out ink in all various different colors of the rainbow, and it's all very bright and, and beautiful. Um, and the way it works is that. When you start a level, the screen is completely blank. There's nothing there. But as you go along, the ink that sprays out of you fills in the ledges and the architecture of uh, what's in front of you. And so as you go through the level, you're basically unveiling it as you move through and there's kind of platforming challenges involved with that sometimes you have to stomp on enemies to open up the gate at the end sometimes you have to like uh, unlock keys to you know get the enemies and it basically builds on itself over time with complexity um but it's super super cool it's just like so colorful and bright and it reminds me of those those handful of stages from splatoon where you're spraying onto the invisible platforms yeah and then you're creating them using your paint it's just like a 2d version of that idea right it absolutely is um and the great thing about it is these levels are really bite-sized and short and again it does the super meat boy thing where if you die you're instantly restarting and uh from level to level the music doesn't change at all so it is this like consistent background that keeps you engaged and keeps you wanting to play and play and play and patrick actually said in his video it was the sort of thing where he was playing and then his wife's like okay dinner's ready and he's like okay i'm coming and then, like, ten minutes later, she's like, dinner's ready. And he's like, okay, I'm coming. And then, like, ten more minutes later, she's like, fucking get to the table now. Uh, it, it is that kind of game where you just don't want to stop um, because of... And kind of 
conversely to Yoshi, where it's like you finish the level and you're like, right, I'm done. You finish a level, you're straight into the next one. There's this overlay of music that continues through and you just there's no convenient point at which you're like okay i'm gonna stop now to the point at which like i played an hour of it and got kind of halfway through and then the next day i played another hour and finished it it's like only two hours long very short there's 75 levels which is quite a lot but they're all really kind of bite-sized so you can chew through them pretty quickly and it does get quite challenging near the end um and you know you have to get into that focus mode of just being like okay do this do this do this and the nice thing also is that even if you die, there's parts of the level that you've sprayed stay sprayed. So it's not the sort of thing where you're restarting and having to discover everything again. Um, so you can go th- for some like trial runs and just like you can go into the level with the intention of just jumping and splatting for a, a bunch of times to unlock stuff and find out you know what the level looks like, and then you get killed by something, but it's fine because you restart and you know you can just go through the stuff that you've already uncovered and make it much faster the second time um so it's super cool really neat it's only like three pound fifty and that's why like i saw his video i was like fuck it i'm just gonna buy this and play it and it was worth it um it's very much like you know we played box boy earlier this year and that's like oh that's a really cheap fun little game and obviously that game has way more depth than either of us expected it to have and went (laughs) on for way longer um this is much more in keeping with that short indie game style like two hour blast through um but it's rivaling box boy for me uh, right now because it's, it's it's the kind of game that i enjoy more I, I really like the puzzling stuff of box boy but for me that meat boy-esque like super hard really really tight controls and this does have super tight controls that kind of platforming is my favorite kind of platform who's it made by did you say um it's a really small studio they're called zach bell games i think zach um bell. Um, and, Is that one uh, guy called Zach Bell then? It might be. I, I have no idea. It, it could be just him on his own. And in that case, what a wonderful job he's done because it's a really cool, smart game. Thank uh, you, Zach Bell. Yeah, thank you. It's it's awesome. Uh, so I recommend that if uh, you have a PC and you can play it. It's it's really like lo-fi. So even if you have like a shitty Mac like Bally does, you could probably play it on that. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, so, Whatever. <laughs> so there you go. Um other than that, I dug into Ghost Trick, which uh, is a game I've been meaning to get to for a really long time. It, uh, I heard it discussed during 2012, which I think is when it came out, and RFN gave it their Game of the Year. Um, it was James Jones's and Johnny Metz's personal Games of the Year in 2012. And um, I've been interested in it for a while because it is written by the same guy who's behind the Phoenix Wright series, um, Shu Takumi. And uh, obviously I love that series and his writing is fantastic and all the crazy scenarios he comes up with are amazing Um, and I just I don't know it it was just sitting there for ages I never got around to it but I finally decided uh, I think it was when I was down in London I'd finished Dang and Romper and I started this up and uh, I got into the first like couple of chapters and then left it for a little bit before I came back to it recently and um I like it. I think it's an interesting premise. And the way it's set up is that you begin the game and you're basically dead out of the gate. You're a guy who's just got shot and you have no idea why, you have no idea who did it, what the circumstances are, but all of a sudden you're a ghost and you can now control objects around you. And the bottom screen, the touch screen, is used to basically um, stylus your way from object to object. Sometimes you can interact with something by, like, if you're on a tire, you can have, uh, you can do what is called a ghost trick and make the tire roll. So basically, um, 
it helps you move across the environment and get to other places and, and stuff like that and the way it plays out is kind of like a book where it's broken into chapters and um yeah you basically are trying to figure out what the hell has gone on um and figuring out your own murder um and how's it compared to phoenix right well, I think it's interesting because a lot of the music and the design is very similar. Like, the, the character portraits that pop up are definitely a different art style, but they evoke that Phoenix Wright style. And the music is so Phoenix Wright. I'm like, man, they clearly got the same composer here or something because the vibe and the tone that it goes for is just right down that alley of like being in the courtroom. But it's it's a different setting. It's a completely different setting. So it kind of stands out in its own right. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it it's a very different game because in Phoenix Wright, obviously, you're searching for clues and then you're doing this courtroom battle. Whereas this is much more more like a point-and-click adventure game, like classic PC point-and-click, where you're put into a scenario, and essentially the way it works is the power you have is that when you come across someone who has died, you can go back four minutes before they they died, figure out what happened to them, and then use that time in the four minutes to try and stop them from dying, essentially. So this is the power that you have throughout the game. And most chapters revolve around you trying to bring someone back to life, essentially. And so it's kind of you go through the environment, you figure out what's there, and then most of the time, first time round, you're going to be like, okay, I know what everything does, but I'm not quite sure how to put it all together, and the person ends up dying, and you just rewind again, and then you're like, okay, this time I'm going to try this, see if this works, and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but you keep basically, it's a lot of trial and error happening, which to some degree I like, but it can also get quite obtuse, where it's like the game has its own internal logic that sometimes it expects you to understand, and at points I've been like, I probably would never have figured that out on my own. Um, and I think that's a lot of criticisms that people have of old adventure games, where it's like, there's this game logic that is so weird that like a human being wouldn't figure this out if they thought about it. But when you do it in the context, it's like, oh, okay, that's how it works. Um, so I have been going to guides like a little bit now and then, um, but it's really cool. Like It has this weird art style. It's hard to explain. It's kind of like rotoscoped. It's like not quite 3D polygonal but it's not 2d either you really have to like look at a screenshot or watch some video and i recommend uh, if you're trying to piece it together in your brain right now and not have a clear idea of what it looks like just look it up on youtube or something um, but it's this really unique weird art style uh, that they've gone for um, and i think it works for the most part especially you know the way that the game is built um, so i've been enjoying it i'm almost at the end um, i'd say a lot of people hold this in such high regard and i don't put it quite on that pedestal maybe i will when i get to you know the last few chapters and really figure out what's been going on because i think the story is a lot of the driving force behind it um, and there's been some crazy developments happening so far and obviously this is the guy who writes phoenix right so the game is clearly going to have a stupid ridiculous bonkers ending and i'll probably love it eventually but um yeah i'll see i'll see how that that turns um but uh yeah i mean Go try Ghost Trick, maybe. It's you can probably find it pretty cheap. It's a cool DS game. I hope they bring it out on the eShop. It's perf it's a perfect game for the eShop actually for Wii U. Um it would make a lot it's of sense. So infrequent though, those DS games on the eShop, they're all, yeah. all, all over the place. They really are. They really are all over the place. Yeah. Um, loads of classics that still aren't 
up on it. So yeah, I mean, the DS has such a vast library that they could pull on that stuff forever yeah. and ever, and really not run out. So, um, and I think the final thing I'm going to talk about is uh, Tomb Raider, uh, 2013's Tomb Raider, which is the reboot. Um, and by like back in the day on PS1, I owned Tomb Raider. I think it was Tomb Raider three. Oh, you owned it? I just remember yeah. it at Mary's house. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, well, I owned Tomb Raider 3, and I can't remember if you were there, you must have been, for like one of my birthdays, where I had my PlayStation 1, and we played Star Wars The Phantom Menace, Episode oh, 1. classic. What a, what a terribly great game. Um, and uh, I was also, I think I got Tomb Raider 3 for that birthday. And what I remember of that time is sitting there among all our friends, and no one could do anything like the character <laughs> movements were so awkward and trying to figure out where to go what to do how to play the video game was kind of impossible just give us mario um, party yeah we just were like so confused and i don't necessarily think that's because we were children and bad at games i think those tomb raider games are kind of bad bally i think they're kind of terrible video games uh so really because they've gone they were like considered great games at the time weren't they right and i think that's the important thing is at the time they mm. were probably considered amazing but recently i also watched um on giant bomb they do this series called demo derby where they basically grab like a demo disc from the playstation era pop it in and have to play through it and see what's on there and uh, they played one of the tomb raider games and man like watching some of that and hearing them talk about it it is ugly and it does not control well and very unintuitive so i just feel like that stuff has aged so so poorly like way worse than lots of n64 games like you can probably go back to mario 64 and have a good time with it still even on the original hardware but i probably wouldn't recommend going back to an old tomb raider game uh so with that in mind uh, obviously i'm going into this new tomb raider with very different expectations because obviously this is coming from kind of the uncharted brand of uh action adventure game they've and done that they've done away with the tombs well yeah kind of uh <laughs> in a weird way um it definitely is much more of a thrill ride uncharted-esque uh, adventure and i just it's so interesting because this style of game obviously like tomb raider is very indiana jones influenced and that is like, I feel like there aren't many series that do the same thing, and I think Tomb Raider and Uncharted are really the only two big mm-hmm. mainstream ones that do it. And I think, like, I would love it if more games did this kind of, you know, National Treasure, Indiana Jones-style adventure, because there's something about it which is really... I don't know, the mystery really gets me, and it's something that I'm really curious about, and um, I love those movies, and I love the style of game, but obviously it's, Tomb it's Raider... It's incredibly Western, isn't it? It's not something yeah. you'd ever imagine Nintendo trying. No, no, not really, although I'd love to see their take on this I'd style. love to see that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, the original Tomb Raider obviously influenced Uncharted, and now we're coming full circle, where this Tomb Raider is so mm. Uncharted-influenced, and um, it's wonderful, because there are loads of amazing set pieces, where you're just like falling down a waterfall and then into a plane and then the glass is cracking but you have to grab a freaking like parachute at the last second as you crash out and then you pull the parachute you're flying through the trees and it's just like this high octane ride Bally that I don't think you've really had the experience of no. because you haven't played an Uncharted game or any anything in this style and, and I, I really do want to like you know borrow 
um, Alex is offered, I, I can just like take his PS3 for a long right. time, and uh-huh. I can get Uncharted's and play them all. And I'm sure I will love them because I have watched your LP of Uncharted Three, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that, and it's a, it's just a really cool action game. So yeah, I'd love to try it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, th- as you mentioned before, Tomb Raider, this Tomb Raider anyway, kind of does away with the tombs uh, for the most part. Now there it's just are called like. Raider. Yeah, great. That's that right. makes the most sense in the world. Um, there are tombs uh, to some degree in this game, and I wish there were more of them because they're actually my favorite part of the game. Um, they're like secluded areas um, that you kind of find through. Like they're not very obvious; they're kind of hidden and out of the way. But if you find one, you like go deep into it, and you do a puzzle. And there's no enemy combat. There's nothing like that. It's just you in a space, environmental puzzle solving. And that's like one of my favorite aspects of the Zelda games in dungeons, where you're using the environment to figure things out. And Tomb Raider does like quite a bit of that in these little sections. It's just a shame there aren't more of them. And obviously, they're all optional. Like you don't. There's no forced section of going through a puzzle area which means a lot of people are probably going to miss these and i remember watching total biscuits video of this back when it came out and he's the sort of guy who doesn't like puzzles at all he hates them and so he was kind of praising the fact that tomb raider like kind of took that stuff away and made it more optional whereas for me i'm the complete opposite where i'm like i really wish they'd done more with this stuff because there's a satisfaction to figuring stuff out in the environment and um you know basically unlocking something like there's this big treasure chest at the end of all of these and you get a cool thing at the end of it so uh i i know that the next game rise of the tomb raider which is coming out later this year on xbox and then early next year for pc is going to focus a bit more on that and i'm super excited because that's way more of my jam but in terms of what it does with like combat and all that stuff i think this game is superior to uncharted just because it feels way more Um, fair in the sense that Uncharted, like near the end of the Uncharted games they just start throwing enemies at you that are bullet sponges and you just shoot them like seven times in the head and they still don't die. You're shooting them in the head right? But then like they have so much armor and shit on them that they are just lumbering towards you and there's wave after wave and there are multiple times, especially in Uncharted 3 and there are like there's evidence of this if you go back and watch my let's play of just montages of me dying and dying (laughs) and dying because the amount of and numbers and density of enemies they throw at you is just a little bit unfair in my opinion and i think tomb raider does a really good job of balancing that out not only do you have like a a greater variety of weapons but there's also more environmental stuff so there's um you know barrels filled with oil that will explode if you hit them so if you see a bunch of guys near one you can basically take them out really quickly using that you have a shotgun like a, a rifle and a bow and arrow and a pistol so like Already, that's way more options than you have in an Uncharted game, and it allows you a much greater level of like choice of how you want to take enemies down, and you can like be stealthy with the bow, and it just feels more of a fair, fun, better combat experience. So, I actually kind of prefer this to Uncharted 3. Uncharted 2 is probably my favourite of the series, and it's close to that, but 
I really, really like this game. It's so much fun, and I should have got to it way sooner. It was, it was sitting on my PC backlog forever, and I was like, you know what? I the, the new game's coming out. Yeah, you started a bit of it a long time ago, hadn't you? I did. Yeah, back when I got my PC in 2013, I played like the first couple of hours and just never continued with it. I really should have, because fucking awesome. It's so so good. And um, yeah, super looking forward to the next one. So uh, that is uh, the video games that we've been playing. Um, That's going to be the segment. So I guess uh, join us in a little bit uh, where we are going to be going through some of your emails uh, and answering some of your questions. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome back to the show. It is time for some emails. Before I get on with those, it's a bit of an emergency, MBZ. Is it? What's happening? I I went to our email account. Uh We're we're running low. Oh, no! We're running really, really low. So it would be really great if any of you out there have any thoughts or questions or little anecdotes that you'd like to email into the show um, and obviously our email address is thisnintendolife at gmail.com we would really appreciate a nice a, a boost like yeah, one, need, one uh... big boost will last us you know an eternity but yeah just, we it helps need, we need that boost indeed our, our sugar levels are low so yeah. um, anyway on to the first email from Robert Hey guys, Robert from New Jersey again. It's been a while. I'm finally catching up with your podcast episodes and I just finished listening to your thoughts on Symphony of the Goddess. I'm looking to attend in October when they're playing in New York City and I wanted to know if either of you had any tips on maximizing the experience. Obviously bringing my 3DS is a given, but do you have any thoughts on things like where to sit, getting to the venue early, stuff like that? I want to make sure I make the most of it. Maybe other listeners who are interested in going will benefit as well. Thanks so much for th- thanks so much guys. Love the podcast. All right, Robert. Uh well, we had a really good time when we went to the uh, Symphony of the Goddess and uh, obviously we talked about it on the show and did our uh I guess pseudo podcast from the venue itself. Uh and obviously like the stuff we were doing there is not a lot of things you're going to have to worry about because we were vlogging ourselves and recording ourselves <laughs> and like paying more attention to that, I guess, uh than True. like lots of stuff around us. Um Bali, do you have any uh tips here? Um, obviously, he should bring his 3DS and have that street definitely. pass on the go. I I mean, we've been to lots of concerts in the past, MBZ, yes. um, where we've gotten there when the door is open, we've charged to the front, we've stood, like, waiting for hours upon hours uh, just in order to get a good space. And in all honesty, like, this experience was nothing like that at all, because you have... a 
it's a pre-booked seat, um, or it certainly was in our case, wasn't it? Yes, it um, was. So whether you get there with five minutes to go or an hour to go, you're you've got your seat. You just have to get a bit of luck with not having an incredibly tall person in front of you, I guess. Right, that could um, be a little bit annoying, I guess. True. Um, Although in this case, it is music. And so what my parents were telling me is like, when people go to uh, the opera or go to, um, you know, places where they're just playing concert music, a lot of people will just close their eyes and listen as opposed to, you know, having to look up to see if anything's going on. Because most of the time when it comes to that stuff, nothing else is happening aside from just the people playing on stage. The difference here is, of course, you have the big screen showing different Mm. parts from the different Zelda games as they play it. And so, Yes, uh, to some degree, like it doesn't matter a huge amount if there's someone big in front of you, but also in this case, it might be nice to not have that because of the stuff that is uh, going on. So. Yeah, and like I find, I found the screen was so high up that even if someone was in front of you, you can mainly you you could, should be able to see it. Yeah, um, and I definitely spent more time looking at the screen um, than looking at the orchestra itself, um, and I, I I thought that was the best bit of the whole thing. Actually, was. Be- the fact that they were mixing the music in with a, a montage of cutscenes and gameplay and of loads of different games. So, yeah, it was, it was a really good experience, but it was a pretty slick, well-run event in general, I found. Um, it was all all very smooth, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, security is definitely tight there, uh, and even to the degree of they're not going to let you take any kind of camera inside if they see you using it as we rudely found out uh, yeah. very quickly um where i walked like trying to get some b-roll footage for the video and a guard stopped me and was like i'm gonna have to take you to a room and like take this thing away from you and then we're like no 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 we're not we're not that stupid we're not going to record inside uh, obviously if you have a phone or something like they can't stop people taking pictures with their phones but you probably shouldn't do that, like in the venue itself, um, hmm. especially when they're playing. Because we did a think, couple, yeah, but before it started. Yeah, it um, just made it obvious there's like a selfie or something that you're taking, um, yeah. so that people don't come and try and take you down. Because uh, yeah, they they I don't okay <laughs> without nowhere. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'd be really interested to see if Nintendo decides to like put out a Blu-ray or a DVD of the Symphony of the Goddess I, thing. I think the fact that there's so strict on um, video footage would suggest that they probably are. Um, And I think something like that would probably sell quite well, so it's definitely in their interest. But you would think they would have done it by now if they were going to do it. I mean, they started these in 2011. Um, Maybe they just like like having the option. Yeah, I think like they don't want a bastardization of someone's recorded footage like very shaky cam with not a good microphone being thrown up on YouTube and mm. certainly those exist there are people who have managed to pull it off and record the whole thing yeah. uh, which I wouldn't advise doing but uh, yeah I just feel like they want people to come there and have like the real yeah. experience of listening to the music in person and it's a great experience really it's, like, it's, it's weird though because like I've so I, for those who don't know I've I've done like a course in video journalism um, a master's in video journalism and so I've done a lot of sort of out and shooting um, out and about interviewing people all this kind of thing 
And it's very interesting seeing how different sort of security guards and people respond to different equipment. Um, and what I've always found is that if you don't have a tripod, no one ever cares at all. But the second you get out a tripod, they think you are like trying to make the next documentary to, yeah. bring, to bring down the state or something. <laughs> they like freak out the second you have a tripod. It's so funny. They're always like, we'll need to report, we'll need to move you on and all these things. And there's large chunks of a city like London, for example, where you're just not allowed to film. Like, they're, they're gradually getting to the stage where you're going to need passes just to film the outside of particular buildings. It's That's mental. crazy. It's mental. Absolutely but, crazy. So, yeah, they were quite quick quick to um, to apprehend us, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Um, in terms of, like, getting to the place early, it's really good if you're interested in getting merchandise and stuff because they certainly uh, had lots of stuff that you could buy and the queue buy... for that was pretty long, so... Yeah, it's just they had a specific Majora's Mask um, t-shirt. Yeah, it was a t-shirt and there was a poster for Majora's Mask as well. And I believe you could get... Not the game. No, but you could get the... Could you get the 3DS itself? I can't remember. I think the the special edition 3DS might have been there. Um, And maybe in the New York uh, venue they'll have more stuff there. But in London they had just, you know, the small selection of stuff. There was quite a big queue for it, so... I would advise if you are interested in buying any of that stuff that you get there early so that you have time to get it. Um, I'm not sure if they were selling stuff after the fact. I don't think they were. So really before is the only time for you to do that. Um, So yeah, I think that's really the big deal. And probably if you're going to be street passing, then you're going to be getting way more than we did because we had to do all these other things and like only get to our street pass when we had a break. Um, But you will get thousands and hundreds of street passes Hmm. so yes take advantage of that situation if you're someone who usually doesn't get many Um, so yeah so we have a couple of questions that are sort of the same point but I'll just read both of them out first I think so the first one's from Nagi We'd just like both of your extended opinions on voice acting in the Zelda series and your stance on it being included in Zelda Wii U. The only thing I can say is that a Newman neglecting voice acting might become a deal breaker for me personally. Like, think about Witcher 3, but with literal text boxes for all of the dialogue and no comprehensible voices. So that's Nagy's opinion. And then we've also got an email from Colin, which is similar. Hello, MBZ and Bally. A few podcasts ago, you had answered my email about whether or not I should get Metroid Other M. I did indeed get that game, and overall I thought the game was a bit meh. The only thing that was very interesting was the choice to have voice acting in the game. Sure, the voice acting could have been better, especially Samus, but it was still great to see these characters have a voice and interact with each other. This had got me thinking, what if Nintendo added voice acting to its first party games? I believe that hearing actual dialogue from these characters would make much more of an impact to the game than reading it in a speech bubble um, or from gestures. Gestures? 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 Gestures. Um, Gestures. Gestures. Anyway, uh, to do this today almost seems really backwards. If Star Fox 64... Uh, did not have voice acting would Peppy's line do a barrel roll really have stuck with all of us I know they spoke about this on RFN uh, but I'd love to hear voice acting in Zelda U slash NX I really think it is about time Link got a voice or at least Zelda what do you guys think should future Nintendo games get voice acting Bally just in case you were wondering I am from Los Angeles but I currently live in Washington DC 
So thanks very much for that, Colin. So it's always it's always good to know. Yes, indeed. Um, so voice acting, NBZ. voice acting. Yes it's or a no? Big topic. It's um, it's interesting because Colin's asking like, should they be in all Nintendo's first party games? And I'm thinking like Nintendo's first party lineup. There are games that voice acting would make sense in, but there are also a lot of games where it just doesn't at all. So the Mario series is one where it's like. I don't think voice acting does anything in that realm. I um, there's a bit of it in chunks of Sunshine. Yeah, and I thought it gave that game quite a lot of character. It was also god awful, but sure. But, um, it, it, but it was god awful in a charming way. I found uh, I really did like it. I personally. I think it's just god awful in a god awful way, okay. quite frankly. So. Um, but yeah, I think like there are a lot of Nintendo's games where it doesn't make a lot of sense and. For that reason, like things like Pikmin or things like Mario or I don't know, like it's there are quite a few examples that are not coming to my brain right now. Um, don't. And then on the other hand, there are franchises they have, which is like, why haven't they done this yet? And certainly Zelda is one that most people rag on. And Nagi's example of The Witcher and if that game had no voice acting is kind of. I mean, it makes some sense, but also The Witcher is much more of a story-driven game than Zelda ever has been, um, and so I'm not sure the example holds up that well, but yeah, it would be fucking weird if that game was literally just having to read words on the screen as opposed to people saying them. Um, and if you're thinking about like the comparisons people are making between what we've seen of Zelda Wii U and of The Witcher 3 you start to think, yeah, we're going to have this big world with probably lots of NPCs, and if we're just encountering people who are going like, oogly oogly do, or uh, weird things that that guy in, what's his name, in Wind Waker, who sells the items, Beedle. Uh, Beedle. Yeah, and he does his weird, thank you, and weird shit like that. <laughs> um, spot on. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty. I'm a Beedle voice actor. Give me a call, Nintendo. Uh, so, yeah, you do come to feel like, okay, maybe they should get their act together here and get voice acting in I think Zelda is the one where it has to happen really that is the key franchise for Nintendo what do you think Bally? I think it would definitely be a lot better with voice acting but I think it would work absolutely fine without I mean arguably Wind Waker is one big open world with plenty of NPCs and you will like you said walk up to them and they'll say their one thing or not say anything at all and they will have their text box and I don't think it felt particularly out of place, but I certainly think that a game like Zelda Wii U or NX or whatever the hell that game is going to come out on, um, it would be refreshing. It would be something new. It'd just be that extra, you know, cherry on top that a a series like Zelda could really do with. Um, And I would actually come out and say that I would keep Link mute and give everyone else a voice. I don't know if you would agree or disagree. Yeah, I I agree with Link staying mute. I think there is a pitfall to some degree when you go for a main character like him and try and... Because the thing with Link is that he is really the avatar for the player in many senses. Mm. And so giving him a defined character is not really that easy. The thing with The Witcher is Geralt is a character. Obviously, The Witcher is based on a series of novels, Polish novels, and he is, you know... A creation and he has his own motivation and his own thoughts and he you know he's a developed person 
And so it makes sense when you're playing that game for him to speak and him to, you know, give opinions and things like that. Whereas Link doesn't feel like that sort of well-rounded individual. Mm. And there's also the danger of giving him a voice that doesn't make sense for people and that people are turned off and put off by. And the way they did it with Samus in Other Rem is certainly like... I was going to mention that. What, like, Surely that's exactly like what you were saying. It's the main character, the protagonist, given a voice who was previously mute and then it really just sort of divided everyone. Yeah, it... it did you I like think... it? I think they had to do it for the story they were telling, and I understand why they did, but the problem is it just it didn't hit, and my only fear with Nintendo going to voice acting is whether it is going to work well or not, you know, because they have such little experience doing it, and Obviously, back in the day, you know, on PlayStation 1 and all these, you know, old games, the voice acting was terrible, but that was because these companies were finding their feet and they were trying to figure out who these voice actors and, you know, this the kind of the role of voice acting in a video game wasn't established back then, so no one really knew what they were doing. I think that Nintendo, even in 2015, find themselves in that same position as those people back in 2000, 2001. So because of their lack of experience and um, knowledge in this area, I just have a fear that they're going to try and do something like that and then massively fail, and it's going to negatively impact the game. And I think, for a lot of people, Other M could have been a better game had they not done that, had they kind of left voice acting on the table um, and, uh, yeah, not approached it, which, it's risky. Um, So... Yeah, it's it's a tough thing to, to try and balance. I I think for me, the way that Nintendo has done well with voice acting is when it's more of a goofy, kind of off-the-cuff thing. I think the best game that they've had voice acting in is Kid Icarus Uprising. Um, that game is super, like, fourth wall-breaking and just very conversational and chatty and comedic. And I think that the stuff that they did localizing it was fantastic. Like... Pitt's voice actor sounds super like 90s cartoon and that kind of stuff and usually like if that was to be in a more serious game it wouldn't make any sense but in the context of what they do with Kid Icarus it's really good I really like it and you know there are funny lines in there and the interactions between the characters with Palutena and Pitt and everyone it's just world building and world fleshing out that isn't too serious but perfectly fits into that environment and um, the worry with Zelda is that as it's a more serious game I don't know how they would approach that so hmm. yeah those are my feelings on Link it'll be interesting but I, I I strongly predict that they won't go for voice acting to be honest I don't I think it would be surprising personally for the next Zelda yeah I th- I also think that they're going to be raked over the coals for it if they don't oh um, it will be there will be hell to pay for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you, I was even looking back. I can't remember when or why I was doing this, but a, a review of Twilight Princess, and it, they even back then were bringing up the fact, hey, this is really weird that there's no voice acting in this game at all, and that they're just using text boxes. And since then, there has been another mainline Zelda, and still no voice acting in a game which really Skyward Sword the most cinematic and story driven of the Zeldas in many senses yeah. like you can imagine Girahim having this 
amazing like hammy voice actor who just like kind yeah. of pantomime villain and they could have really you know made something of that and i mean yeah they gave him a voice and he was there's, there's laughing and chuckles and coughs and splutters but there's no you know words coming out of his mouth it's all yeah it it's such a strange situation. So they they're creating a character through a voice, but not having them say anything. And Nintendo do that with like Mario, of course, and loads of other characters. Um, that's quite interesting. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I'm sure this is an issue that will come up again. Um, but, yeah, because yeah. I'm sure Nintendo won't do it, and then we're gonna have yeah. to discuss why. <laughs> and we're gonna have to heat up those coals and get raking. Um, yes, but yeah. yes, indeed. So our last question this week is from Alex. Hi, MBZ and Bally. In my last email, I asked for the best place to start with Zelda. I recently came across Ocarina of Time 3DS in a second-hand store and picked it up. In your Backlog Club on Minish Cap, you mentioned difficulty and the game not informing you of the correct way forward. There were times so far in the game where the puzzle is not obvious, such as walls you can walk through. I agree that some elements of a Zelda game should force you to talk to random NPCs in order to obtain information that will assist you on your quest. But a godsend for me with Ocarina of Time 3DS was the inclusion of hint movies which assisted you when you could not work out specific puzzles. These were really helpful when I was completely lost. My question for you to discuss is what do you think of inclusions like these in video games? These hint movies were completely optional and could be accessed upon death or viewing a specific stone in the overworld. Keep up the great podcast. Well, uh, it's very interesting that this email comes up on the episode that you are playing Ocarina of Time, Bally. I think yes. that happened before with another game. <laughs> yeah. uh, the timing just kind of like works itself out weirdly. Um, have you uh, come across these hint stones at all, and have you used them yet? I take it he means the Sheikah stones, and I couldn't even work out how to use them. And then I actually asked you about this, and I looked up online, and you'd have to actually get a mask in order to read what's on the Sheikah stones, right? Right. Well, those aren't actually what he's talking about. Oh, there are right. separate stones in Ocarina, and I think oh, they're not oh, yeah, placed I, I frequently. Remember. But I think there's one near your house in Kakariko yes, Village, and no, I think I there's remember. one at the Temple of Time. I can't remember exactly where they are, but they're little kind of um, cubby holes that Link crawls inside of. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it will give you a short kind of video of, like, what you should be doing next and where you should be going next. And I think uh, to address, like, some of your complaints from earlier on in the episode... Uh, that probably would be quite helpful for you when you're thinking like, oh, this game doesn't handhold you that much. And I think that's probably <laughs> why they put it in. Yeah, so. that's a, that's interesting because obviously it's put in for the 3DS version. And I do believe those videos get saved up like in your options menu so you can like just access it at any time. Yeah. Um, I've not been using those. I just know of them. I, I, I definitely did crawl in a couple of those um, earlier in the game, but I've not seen any for quite a while actually. Um, but yeah, no, I I think they're good. they're a neat addition. Um, I think the act like shoehorning in an actual video of what to do next is maybe a bit strong at times, and that seems like a very un Nintendo thing to do, like shoehorning in a whole video. Um, but I can appreciate I can appreciate why it might be quite nice, um, and I guess it's it just saves you looking up a video online anyway. It's just putting a video in the game because there's so many times where I'm stuck and I'll look for an actual video online of how to do something. So I have mixed feelings on that, um, but yeah, I've I've not used them particularly. 
Yeah, I think it's really, for Zelda anyway, this is Nintendo's solution to the Super Guide. And that's something, obviously, that they started using in the Wii era when, you know, a lot of non-gamers started to play their games. And obviously, New Super Mario Brothers and other games where you can basically watch it be played for you and get it done by the system itself as opposed to you having to play that part. I think... For Zelda, that would be a very difficult thing to pull off, and so the best way for them to do that would be these, like, hint videos, which show you the area you're supposed to go to, but don't put full power uh, on, you know, the game doing it for you itself, but saying, like, kind of not giving you a nudge, more of, like, a shove in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, So... Yeah, I like I I have nothing against these because fundamentally if you don't want to use them then you don't have to. They're not shoved in your face, they're not um, you know, exploited. They're off to the side and if you're really stuck and you don't know what to do and you're kind of down to your last straw. I mean, in 2015, honestly, most people are going to go online and look it up anyway before they even think about using the in-game help. But especially if you're like a younger kid and you don't have as easy access to the internet or even like you don't really know where to go to find stuff like that, then these things are very helpful. And I think they're certainly created in mind for the younger audience who perhaps would have a tougher time making their way through a game like Ocarina, which, as you've even said, you have had issues figuring yeah, out where yeah. to go. Uh, but having said that, I mean, like I said, I did do sort of, you know, the forest temple, um, the fire temple without a guide, and, it, like, it took me <coughs> maybe, like, an hour and a half each dungeon to do those, but when I came out, I was like, wow, I'm really chuffed with myself. I yeah. actually did that without looking at a guide. And I'm quite bad for that at times with games where I will, you know, bang my head up against a wall mm-hmm. and try and avoid a guide. Um, especially for a, a, an absolute classic, you know, like Ocarina of Time, where I know that this is my... I only have one chance to f- look at this dungeon blind, you know. Right. So I want to I want to try and enjoy that to the, to the maximum, perhaps. Um, so... That's sort of my thought process on it, but you're right. I mean, if you're like a 13, 14-year-old, never played Zelda before, and you've just picked up a a 3DS, and you want to play a classic like Ocarina of Time, you're right. I do agree with you. These these videos and little things like that to make it a bit more streamlined um, are really important. And when you play the original Ocarina of Time compared to the this remake, or even between Wind Waker and Wind Waker HD, they just there are simple things that can be done to these experiences that just make them so much more fun to play. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, I think they just overall that 3D remake is just uh, a brilliant. Um you know, reassessment of that game. And obviously they changed some stuff with the UI and obviously like stuff on the touchscreen is great, especially when you're going to get to the water temple and having to change the iron boots. Cause let me tell you, trying to do that on the Wii U virtual console uh, or the Wii virtual console, even going into the menu every single time. And that menu is slow, man. It takes time to like rotate itself to the right thing, switch off, switch on. You're going to have a much, much nicer experience in that water temple. So it's still going to be hard. But anyway. Yeah, it will be. Uh, well, yeah, is, is that it, Bally? That I all think the that is all we have time for um, this week. Uh, but like I said at the top of the segment, we are, we are in a bit of an emergency. We need some more emails. So 
please send all your emails, all your questions, all your criticisms, all your ideas, anything you want to say to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. We love reading all of them and, yeah, hope to have plenty more stocked up for the next few shows. Yes, indeed. Um, I think that we are going to get on out of here to our next segment. Are you ready, MBZ, to be tested? I don't know, Bali. It's gonna be it's gonna be a trial by fire. I it's feel time for my revenge. It is revenge of the Bally's. Uh, so <laughs> let's get on over to our last segment, and we'll see you guys in a second. Alright everyone, welcome back to the show for our final segment, and this week we are returning to an old favourite, it is of course the Jukebox, where uh, Bally and I go back and forth trying to uh, guess each other's selections of music that we've prepared beforehand, and this time it's Bally's turn to try and trick me with his selections. I was very crafty in the last one. Um, with that Konami Crazy Races, which was actually kind of a Castlevania song, <laughs> and uh, trip yeah. Valley up. That but, um, was not fun. But it was no, it wasn't. Yeah, but that's the point. You gotta, yeah. you gotta, you know, be nasty. You gotta be uh, cruel to be kind. Uh, exactly, that's the point. So, Valley, uh, uh, you have the floor. You can take it away. Yeah. So let's just jump in with the first song. interesting one uh, mm. I should also mention uh, if you want to play along at home feel free to do that uh, and try and guess alongside me Bally of course the maestro here knows exactly uh, what game this is um, so here's my thoughts uh, initially I was feeling like this is kind of like a homely kind of song you know getting like it's pretty homely homely vibes to it like I'm in a house or something so I was thinking like some kind of like sim-ish game yeah. so I was going around like Harvest Moon kind of area but then I'm thinking like that maybe uh, from the GameCube game but I feel like because I used that last time it's not going to be that 
and I haven't played any, any other Harvest Moon game, so I'm going to take Harvest Moon off the table. Um, I'm then moved towards thinking something maybe Phoenix Wright-ish. Um, so some kind of like adventure style game in some sense and I leant towards Phoenix Wright I don't know why but uh, there are a lot of Phoenix Wright games that I've played so trying to nail down one of them is very hard especially if it's like one of these songs um, that that doesn't really seem that familiar to me like and the the audio quality is also quite high so I'm kind of questioning whether that would be a Phoenix Wright game because it's the DS and the DS I don't think has a sound chip that is that good so this is a hard one um. Hmm. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. Any tips here for me, Bally? Are you going to just leave um, me hanging? Just quite. I don't want to give anything away, really. But am, I, am, I, am I going down the right kind of track? Um. No. Okay. Well. <laughs> but um. We're going to need an answer. All right. Well. I am going to say. Hmm. I feel like it could be like a Wii game or something. Or like some Pokemon. Let's say Wii Fit. That seems like a game that is somewhere in this range of like chill music that kind of sounds homely to some degree. Let's go Wii Fit. Okay. Uh, the correct answer is Wii Sports. Oh my that god! really, really close. Oh. Uh, and this is actually the bowling theme. Really? Yes. Wow, this I'm surprised that didn't stick out more in my mind. Yeah, I was, I don't know. When <laughs> you started going off on Phoenix Wright, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize it was this difficult, but... Um... I mean, it, it, it did kind of have that tone to it, but I wasn't going to go down the Phoenix Wright route because of the quality of the audio. It's definitely like console quality right it's not yeah. you know the DS stuff has a little bit more kind of ruggedness to it whereas this felt much more clean um, and so I was like oh it must be like a Wii game then so I just scrolled down my backlog and I was like mm, okay one of these Wii Sports games maybe it's Wii Fit or something because it, it, it didn't totally sound like a Wii, Wii Sports Wii sorry it could totally work in Wii Fit though yeah right. it could do yeah. it could do it could be any of those games really um we play didn't make sense to me, but I went with we fit and tiny little bit off. That's oh, I, I'm glad I, I at least made a, a guess that was educated enough and got. Close it w- it to... was very close. It was yeah. closer than Phoenix, right? Yeah, um, for sure. Um, but yeah, this game in general just got a lot of chilled music, especially the golf and the bowling. Uh, I'd say less so the tennis, baseball that are more intense sports, but it's it's, it's a good soundtrack all around. I don't know. I just feel like the stuff in Wii Sports and kind of the Wii games in general never stood out to me. Uh, like, despite the fact that obviously we played this game for hours and hours and hours, um, I couldn't even nail down 100% that that was like the bowling thing from Wii Sports. Speaks to perhaps its forgettableness. You know, it's not very memorable music. Uh, it's nice kind of background stuff, but because it's nice background stuff, it doesn't stick out in your mind. Um, so, yeah, that one uh, didn't quite hit me, unfortunately. But, hey, what are you going to do? Wii Sports is a fun game, so, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, All right. let's um, see if you get this next one. Let's hope. Let's get a point on the board.
Interesting. So, this sounds like a handheld game to me. Um, if I'm going from the audio sound point, sound point perspective, whatever you want to say, <laughs> it sounds handheld. Now, my question in my brain was GBA or DS, because those are the two that kind of I gravitate towards. I'm thinking, all right. I look at my GBA collection. I'm thinking, nope. I don't think any of these fit. I don't think any of these games sound like that. So I'm going to narrow it to a DS game. And it's hard because there's a lot of DS games out there. Um, but it sounded like it had a Mario twang to it. Um, I was feeling some Galaxy vibes in there, but obviously this isn't a Galaxy game. Uh, I was feeling some Mario Kart vibes in there. So that made me think maybe Mario Kart DS is a potential thing. Um, there's also New Super Mario Brothers, but I don't think that quite fits. And I think that was out before Galaxy. Yes, it was. So my brain is going in the Mario direction. Um, and I don't quite think it's DS because I do think that came out before Galaxy as well. So it would have to be a post-Galaxy game that came out on DS or maybe on 3DS. And now my brain is really hurting and this is hard to figure out. So it could be Mario Kart on... 3DS, which is Mario Kart 7. But I'm going to go with Mario Kart 7 on 3DS. Though, the audio quality sounds to me like it should be higher if it's a 3DS game. But that's what I'm going to go with. So this was actually Donkey Kong Jungle Beat on the GameCube. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow, okay. I could not have been more wrong. But I know now where my brain should have gone because... Those galaxy-esque movements in the music were because this is an EAD Tokyo game. Ah, right, okay. That's that's why that was, like, coming up. That's crazy. Now now I think about it, EAD Tokyo's first game was this, was Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. So that should have uh, popped up in my brain straight away, but it didn't. Wow. Yeah, this was Sky Garden from Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. That's really interesting, because it does have that kind of tone of music that is from one of the Sky Galaxies, I think, in Mario Galaxy. Um, So that's kind of crazy. I'm not sure who the composer is on this, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's one of those games that I played through, obviously for my channel, I did a full Let's Play of this game, so you'd think like I would have remembered some of the music. Um, But I think the hard thing about Donkey Kong Jungle Beat is you're really focusing on using the bongos to create your own sound. Um, mm. And obviously, that sound isn't, like, the crux of the game because it's not Donkey Conker. We're not, like, playing along to a song. But it does contribute to maybe the focus being taken away from the music somewhat. So, I don't know. It's interesting. If, if you listen really carefully, at one point, you can actually hear a bongo being hit. Oh, really? I, I just noticed that... Um listening back through but yeah oh do you think you grab this piece of music from like a youtube video of someone who is playing it maybe and, and, I, and you I could hear the, the bongos going at the yeah. same time uh maybe that'd be interesting um but yeah what it, i think like i enjoyed this game i think it has a lot of issues but it's still fun and it's, a, it's it was like a good 
uh, first outing for EAD Tokyo to kind of like get their feet wet and um, you know start trying some new ideas with a platformer and lots of stuff from this game ended up in Galaxy like those floating uh, pieces of water uh, that you can like swim through and like they just float around in space uh, that stuff was in this game before it was in Galaxy um, lots of cool ideas I know you probably want to play this at some yeah, point yeah definitely and... I'll just need to get the old bongos out dust them off and yeah <laughs> give this game a go but yeah for sure um, and it's one of those games that everyone kind of at the time it wasn't that much of a big deal but it seems to have aged really well and everyone thinks oh that was actually a really quirky thing that worked well at that point in time and yeah, it's definitely flawed, um, but I think there are a lot of interesting things, especially for the DNA of where that studio went afterwards. Um, and as I said, like my brain with this music went instantly to Galaxy, and that just speaks of how kind of ingrained um, that stuff was from the outset with the you know with the AD Tokyo. So very interesting, very cool. Uh, all right. right. Well, I guess I'm um, zero for two, Bali. It's not going let's well for me. Let's make it zero for three. Let's let's try. All right. Let's go for the next song. Well, Bally, you you've chosen a song that is both so obvious and yet so fucking perplexing that okay. I don't know where to go. So this is obviously like very kind of beach themed. Um, it's very kind of you know Hawaiian in a sense and very upbeat and very kind of like hey it's like sunny over here right now and so that made me think like there's a lot of sunny games out there yeah it made me think like oh you know Mario Sunshine but obviously I've not played that um, so that would be against the rules right I mean I've technically right. played it but um, right, I'm, right I hope um, <laughs> right so I was like okay what other games are like that and very happy and upbeat and I think like I went to the Mario Kart games last time but there are certain tracks in those games that obviously, you know, Peach Beach and shit like that, which is kind of happy and upbeat. But that seems like, I don't know, it seems like a little bit of a nasty trick to pull one of those. Um, I was thinking perhaps in the vein of, like, Pilot Wings-esque stuff. Um, maybe you're even going to be as much as a bastard to be like Wii Sports Resort is a thing, so I don't know if that's the length Wii to which you would Wii go. Wii Sports Resort in one yeah, thing. That would, that would be nasty. That sounds like it would be a horrible thing to do to me. Um, so that's floating around. 
Um, again, I'm not going to trust my instincts when it comes to like sound quality here, because as we found out last time, I tried to do that and I thought it was a handheld game and it clearly wasn't. <laughs> so uh, that feels like it's screwing me over. I'm also gravitating maybe to Monkey Ball. Monkey Ball seems like it would have some levels which would have the upbeat kind of happy clappy tune there. That would mean I'd have to nail it down to either a GameCube or a Wii one. I know there's a DS one, but I definitely don't think this is a DS game that you're getting out with me here. Um, so this is hard. This is really tough. Again, Bally, you've just put me in a corner. You've I Out of everything out of... you've said, at one point you were warm. Oh, okay, so that's the clue here. That's the clue. So out of everything you've said, something in there was ticking my boxes. Oh no, this is bad because now I'm going to have to I'm going to choose something that's going to be wrong and then I'm going to have to reconcile so I'm going to say that you're not going to be an asshole and it's not going to be Wii Sports Resort now this is contingent on you not being an asshole which is, you know, <laughs> potential potential here, Valley. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put faith in you okay. I'm going to cross off the list um, uh, I I feel like it could be a Mario Kart game. The problem there is there are like three that are candidates. I think seven, eight, and we are potential candidates here. And choosing any of those, maybe this course is in multiple versions. So again, Bally, you could be an asshole here in many senses. So I am going to go with my gut and I'm going to go with Monkey Ball because I think that's just what is singing out to me and the game I'm going to go with is the Wii game which is uh, Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz and um, yeah there's there's my guess we'll see if you're an asshole or not you are wrong I'm afraid and I believe you I believe you used Banana Blitz for me once in the past oh god I shouldn't have said that I totally have used that game before uh, ah so and, I, and our current rules we're not repeating games so it's Shit. not that the correct answer Shit. is Mario Kart 8 is it really <laughs> yeah I knew oh um, man it had to be Mario Kart in the first Grand Prix it's called Water Park oh wow um, yeah Wow, that really, like, because it did sound so familiar to me, and yet I thought that there was some room there for, you know, some nonsense happening. You know what we really need to do is we need to have a list of all the games that have already been done yeah. so that I don't trip over myself. Yeah. Because um, if I had remembered that, I I would have not even gone for a monkey ball game. Um, so, wow. That is, uh, oh, that threw me for a loop, Ballet. Again, well, you're doing your work here. Zero for three. This is brutal. This, this is, is brutal. not going well. It's a bad day out of me. For Can the music. you make it up with song Can four? I? All right, we'll see.
again, Bally, you're giving me sounds that make me feel like I know exactly what it is and yet have to struggle uh, to to reach for, into the recesses of my brain. That was that. the theme of everything I was going for. Oh, well, it's worked perfectly for you so far. I'm telling you what. Um, hmm. So, initial thoughts were something Mario Party related. Um, I think... I think we may have done a Mario Party in the past, though. Now I'm thinking. I may have done Mario Party 4 before. I can't remember. This is the problem now, because we don't actually have a list of what we've done before. Um, Here's a hint. We have done Mario Party 4 before. Okay. Well, there you go. So that's off the table. That was... In my brain, I was thinking, okay, this sounds very kind of like, you know, on a board kind of music. And... I was thinking, wait a second, this kind of sounds more like a specific character in Mario Party. And the character in Mario Party was Wario. And I was thinking, oh, that that sounds very Wario, that music. Now, here's the problem in my brain is, is it a game in the Wario Land series, or is it a game in the WarioWare series? Um, so this is like the the junction that I've hit now, and I'm thinking, okay, so potentially this could be Wario Land 4 on GBA. Um which we both played and I I have a feeling that you may pick one of you know something like that but there's also the WarioWare games and that sounds like kind of menu music for some of the mini games uh the problem here is that there are a few WarioWare games there's the original on GBA there's Twisted which is fantastic and the Wii one and the DS one so there's four choices I have here um uh, again going from audio quality it's a little bit iffy because as we found out before, that's not always going to tell me the correct choice. So I have to narrow it down to a handheld one. So I'm going to... its uh, That's the problem. That the three of these are handheld ones. Um, but it feels like the original one to me. Um, Twisted has a shot, and it's really kind of a coin flip there. Um, so I am going to say that this is the original GBA WarioWare Incorporated Mega Micro Game dollar sign exclamation mark as it's written (laughs) on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, So that's my guess. I'm afraid that's incorrect. But I did like your your logic because the correct answer is Wario Land 4. Are you serious? (laughs) Oh my god, the theme Uh, of this whole thing is me like getting so close and then like going the other direction. Toy block block tower. Wow. Um, and looking, stepping back, I agree that is really tough because those that group of games has an incredibly similar similar style of music. Um, yes. And you're right; it does sound very Wario. Um, so maybe that was a bit harsh. <laughs> maybe, but well, again, you know, the, the, this is the the game. This is what we have to do. This we is the game. Of, it is um, brutal for way through the waters. So so far, what I've done, I've named Mario Kart Eight and failed to get it. I've named Warland Four, Four and failed, failed to get, to get it. it. Um, I named and you went for Wii thing. Fit instead of Wii Sports. I went for Wii Fit instead of Wii. So basically, Bali, I should be winning right now. And you but... went for the wrong EAD Tokyo game for the other yep. EAD Tokyo game. Yep. It's all cr- so, crumbling to pieces. Like you come so close four times. Um, Every time I've gotten closer, Bali, I feel like we're almost there. I feel like maybe at the end I can pull one back. I we'll think see. I... But yeah, I think you've got a chance to <laughs> So let's get on with song number five. 
Bali. I feel like that you have deliberately tried to be a tricky bastard in this one, <laughs> but I feel like I may have it. I may have I think finally have it. It jumped was... over the post. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that popped into my head, obviously, Metroid Prime. And I know that that's not from Metroid Prime, because not only have I not actually played Metroid Prime, but the music went in a place which wasn't uh, the right one. Um, and so that leaves only one option, and that is, of course, the the best Metroid Prime game, oh, Metroid God. Prime <laughs> Pinball Valley. This is Metroid Prime Pinball. Yes, it is Metroid Prime there Pinball. There we go, I got it, a it, point! It, is, <laughs> it sounds like Samus Aran out on a Saturday night is how it, it does. sounds. It does. It's, like, <laughs> it's, that, it's the Talon 4 overworld theme with yeah. an extra injection of funk. It really is, yeah. It's it's a really good soundtrack. Um, Metro Prime Pinball is one of those games that I we got like from America. I think it was. I think it, it was like when my dad was over, he picked it up there. Or it, it was like sent over at some point at the same time. I got Animal Crossing Wild World, mm. and um, it had it was very notable because it had the GBA cartridge slot on the DS uh, that could be used for a rumble. Uh, instead, you basically had the option to put in this rumble pack at the bottom, and so you would get that feedback that you usually get in a pinball machine or in uh, other pinball games from the controller, uh, but you'd have it on the DS, which was really cool. Um, did you own this game as well? No, I didn't own it, and this is a game, having played Metroid Prime and loving games like Pokemon Pinball, I'd love to play this game, because it's I, as far as I'm aware, it's got a lot of the same bosses, and obviously remixes of the music, like the one we just heard um, yeah and i'd love to try it so if that came to the the e-shop or i could borrow your copy i'd love to have a, a go it sounds like a prime candidate for the e-shop actually with the way that uh, you know ds games are already up on the virtual console it's the only metroid game that's not on the e-shop <laughs> yeah surprisingly enough that is very true other than other m right right of course They're um the only two yeah, but I really like this game. It's it's super good, and it is the best Metro Prime game. <laughs> um, oh, uh, I I do think that it's a, it's a very solid uh, pinball, and uh, as always, my dad was always better at it than I was because it's just the nature of it. He's always good at pinball games, and I was fine, but nowhere near the ridiculousness that he was. So all the high scores and everything on that cartridge—they're all his. None of them belong to me. Um, so. Yeah. Did he prefer cool. it to Pokemon Pinball? Um, I don't know. I think he probably spent a lot more time with Pokemon Pinball back in the day. That was the one where the scores were just stupid, like ridiculously stupid, and I didn't understand how they existed. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he had a good time with Metro Prime Pinball, and uh, maybe we'll crack it out at some point again and have another go at it, because it's good fun. It's a really good fun game. So, one out of five. I got one out of five, but I was also agonizingly, agonizingly close, close on so many on occasions. Um, but hey, you know that's what happens sometimes. I, I, I dangled that carrot just ahead enough. I think. I think that was a good distance to dangle. It wasn't. It wasn't out of your league, but it was just kind of just, just grasping. It's just just beyond your reach. Yes, absolutely. Um, so. Yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, please do let us know if you played along at home how you did. You can, uh, you know, if you got five out of five, I'll be very impressed. Yeah, 
I I will as well because there's a lot of weird games uh, thrown in there with some interesting choices of music, which kind of threw me off to some degree. They're all pretty mainstream Nintendo games. That's the thing. uh, Yeah, it's true. I think Jungle Beat's one, which I think some people will have a hard time with. But um, aside from that, yeah, the the rest of them are pretty popular. So yeah, do uh, do let us know how you did. You can tweet us and let us know via Twitter. That's probably an easy way to do that. Uh, Where can they follow our podcast Twitter account, Ballet? The podcast Twitter account is at TNL Podcast. That's at TNL Podcast. Um, all the updates on the most recent episodes, any videos we've been doing, or that kind of thing, it'll all go on that Twitter feed. So it's a really good account to follow. Indeed. Uh, you can also find us on the Twitters of our own accord. Mine is at LordMBZ. Um, also LordMBZ on the Miiverse. How about you, Ali? I'm at Ballyman91, B A L Y M A N 91. And that's also my name on the newly revamped, although I don't really understand the revamped Miiverse. Um, so... Yeah, that happened, and I don't know what's up with it. It's yeah, super weird. It allows you to keep a gaming log and draw pictures and all these things you could do before, but now it lists them all and it looks weird. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and it puts them in categories. I don't know. Whoop to do. Whatever. Whatever. The yeah. Miiverse, it's always strange. It will continue to become more strange. Yeah. So let it do its thing, I guess. Follow me on there. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, you can also send us some emails if you have uh, some things, some questions you'd like to ask us. Please do that. We're running out, and we'd love to get some more of your thoughts. If you uh, have been listening to the podcast and you've never sent anything in, it's a great time to do it. Do it now, and uh, let us know where you're from, all that good stuff, so Bally can stalk you. Uh, where can people <laughs> send their emails to, Bally? Send your emails to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. Thisnintendolife at gmail.com. We're- always running out and i think we're particularly running out at the moment so we would yes. appreciate um please do that and yeah for as your first time emailer even better we like hearing from uh new listeners as well yes indeed uh you can get the show wherever on itunes you can download us and subscribe to us you can review us on itunes as well we haven't had one of those in a while be uh good to get another review up on itunes so if you have the time or patience uh then that would be muchly appreciated you can also get us on stitcher it's an app on other places uh and we're on youtube as well so uh go there find us we're uh we're talking in your ear holes in many locations everywhere everywhere so uh yeah well uh, i think rally that is going to close us out for this week's show uh thank you once again for joining me and thank you for perplexing me with those tunes they were nasty no problem i'm sure you will have a nice lineup for me the next time the jukebox com- jukebox comes around the revenge will be sweet oh boy it shall all right uh well yes once again thank you for listening we'll be back at you uh, in a couple of weeks time until then see you guys next time Goodbye.